Once again, it is indeed a privilege to be here. I'm so thankful for this time we have together and our time to look into God's Word, and we pray that He'll speak to us today. I am very thankful that I live in the day that I live in. But if I'd lived in the time that we're going to read about here in the book of Numbers today, and the Lord was gracious and saved me as He did save me, I would find that all these sacrifices were only types, shadows, and pictures because he would have revealed to me in that time the same thing that he revealed to me in this time, that there was no efficacy in any of the multitude of sacrifices that took place in the Old Testament. Now, we're going to be in the book of Numbers today, chapters, let me look there, make sure, chapters 28 and 29. Numbers chapter 28 and 29. Now, we very seldom take that much of the Scripture at a time, but we are this morning because they speak of so much of the very same thing, and that is the multitudinous of sacrifices that were instituted by God that Israel was to do and perform. Now, here in the book of Numbers chapter 28, Numbers chapter 28, and we want to look at chapter 28 and chapter 29 today. Not all the verses, but we want to look at those that share with us these things about the sacrifices. Now in chapter 28, we have, I believe it's five different uh, times that sacrifices were offered. There was the daily sacrifice or sacrifices. There was the Sabbath sacrifices. There was the monthly offerings and sacrifices. There was the Passover offerings and sacrifices. And there was the offering of the Feast of Weeks. And if we get into chapter 29, we find that there was the offerings for the Feast of Trumpets, the offerings for the Day of Atonement, and the offerings for the Feast of Booths. Now, I'd like to pick out a few verses out of these chapters and read them because they enumerate the many, many offerings that God required. He requested, yes, but he required them. And it tells us here in the book of Numbers chapter 28, verse 2, Command the children of Israel and say unto them, My offering and my bread for my sacrifices made by fire for a sweet savor unto me shall, be, shall ye observe to offer unto me in their due season. One of the translations shares with us this, Give the instructions to the people of Israel. The offerings you prevent or present to me by fire on the altar are my food, and they are very pleasing to me. Well, God Almighty is telling us without any reservation that these are a picture and a type and a shadow of him who was to come who had been promised before the foundation of the world in the covenant of grace to come and take care of the sins of his people. Well, read with me here in verses 3 now. And thou shalt say unto them, This is the offering made by fire, which ye shall offer unto the Lord two lambs of the first year without spot, day by day, for a continual burnt offering. The one lamb shalt thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb shalt thou offer in the even. Now, these are the 
daily sacrifices that were to take place, but we also found when we went through the book of Numbers that there would be sacrifices brought by individuals who God caused them to understand that they were sinners before God. And they pictured that their necessity of their, of, uh, their redemption was based upon the sacrifice of a lamb. Now, this did not take away their sin, but it was a picture of it. You know, from time to time, and I've mentioned this a number of times, from time to time, we go down to the river in the act of baptism. And we don't worship baptism. It is no more to be worshipped than any of these sacrifices were to be worshipped. It is to be observed. It is to be taken care of. God will move upon his people to go through that rite. And then from time to time, we take care and have the Lord's Supper. And we don't worship the bread. We don't worship the wine. They are typical. They're pictorial of what we have in Christ, that he is our bread of life and he is his blood uh, delivered us from our sin and so forth. But we don't worship that. We have no dependence upon that for any of our salvation. And those who knew God, those who had God reveal Christ to them in the Old Testament, they looked at these sacrifices exactly the same way. They were to be offered, they were typical, they were pictorial, and they certainly demonstrate that they, uh, uh, it, the blood was necessary to take away sin, but not this blood. You know, the scriptures tell us that not by the blood of bulls and goats could t- sin be taken away. There is no deliverance from sin in the blood of any animal sacrifice. Go sit with ground. There is no hope in any of those things. We find, in fact, that if we have an eye for Christ, you cannot but see the agony of redeeming his people as pictured in the description of burnt offerings. They slew the animal. They collected the blood of the animal. And some of them, they dressed out to certain parts, and some went to the Levites for their food. But they were placed on an altar, and the fire was given, and they consumed that sacrifice absolutely and totally. There was nothing left. And thus it is when we look at our Savior, the Lord Jesus, that when he went to the cross, and when he cried, it is finished, he had been totally consumed before Almighty God, and justice had been served upon him, and therefore he could say, it is finished. There will be no more sacrifices like this. We don't need any more pictures. And above that, sin has been put away totally and completely for everyone that I hung on this cross for. Now, there are many that are not going to be beneficial to the blessings of Christ's cross. Those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life have no benefit in the blood of Jesus Christ. But everyone that he went to the cross for, his blood is absolutely able to put away sin, time, and for eternity. And there will all be presented before him without sin. Turn, as we look through here in, in uh, chapter uh, uh, 28 and verse 9, it says this, that on the Sabbath day, two lambs of the first year without spot and two tenth deals of flour for a meat offering, uh, mingled with oil and drink thereof. We have here the Sabbath offerings. And then if you'll drop down to verse 11. And in the beginning of your months, you shall offer a burnt offering unto the Lord, two young bullocks and one ram, seven lambs of the first year without spot. And verse 15 of that chapter, it says, 
uh, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering unto the Lord shall be offered, besides the continual burnt offering and his drink offering. And verse 18 of that chapter, and the first day shall ye a holy convocation. This is the feast of unleavened bread. Uh, the Passover offering and uh, holy convocation shall, shall do no work and you shall offer a sacrifice, verse 19, made by fire for a burnt offering of the Lord, two young bullocks, one ram, seven lambs of the first year, and ye, then shall ye uh, be without blemish. And verse 22 of that chapter, it says, and one goat for a sin offering to make an atonement for you. And verse 26 of that chapter, it says, also in the day of the first fruits, this is the offering of the Feast of Weeks. When you bring a new meat offering unto the Lord after your weeks be out, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servial work time and time and time again through these two chapters alone. But throughout the entire Bible, we find out that works have nothing to do with this. There is no work. Work is a set aside. No work will prevail before God. None of our works will prevail, not by works of righteousness, which we had done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. Now the work is God's. The work is Christ. The work is to be performed by him. Verse 27, and you shall offer a burnt offering for a sweet savor unto the Lord, two young bullocks, one ram, seven lambs of the first year. And verse 30, and one kid of the goats and make an atonement for you Next chapter, please. Chapter 29. It tells us in verse 2, the Feast of Trumpets. Now, the Feast of Trumpets is such a de declarative uh, uh, message. All of these have that. You know, the Feast of the Daily Offerings. Every day to the believer is a day of thanksgiving. Every day to a believer, we're to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Thank God for what he's done on the behalf of the church. And then there's those Sabbath offerings. Remember, you know, to me, when I read this about the Sabbath offerings, I'm reading about God, who is the creator of all, and he is the one that rested. And that illustration is given to us in the book of Hebrews, that Christ is our rest. We rest in him. It's not a labor. We cease from our own works. And then we find the Passover, a picture of the Lamb of God taking away the sin of his people. And uh, here we get to the Feast of the Trumpets. We find that there's a gospel call. These trumpets were pictorial. Uh, silver hammered out out of one piece. Trumpets to call and to um, bring to uh, mind the things that were going on in the camp. Whether there be peace, whether there be war, whether to move, whether to stop. The trumpet went out. And we find that the gospel message has been given out since the time that God spoke to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and clothed them with the clothing that was acceptable in his sight. It has been a gospel trumpet ever since then, and it has been clear and distinct. There is, as we heard this morning in the Bible class, anything added to the gospel, anything taken away from the gospel, makes it not the gospel. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, and he says, I'm so, I marvel that you are so soon Turn from him to another gospel, which is not a gospel. We add anything, any of our works, any of our righteousness, anything to the blood of Christ, and it makes it null and void. It's not our decision. It's not moving forward, to, uh, coming forward. Um, I bought a Bible over here at uh, St. Vinny's the other day, and I opened it up, and right here in the very beginning... 
here is the sinner's prayer. If you sign it, you've been saved, and here's how to on and on. What a sham. What, how terrible that is. And yet people believe that's the way God saves his people, that it's only up to them, that if God... It's not comforting at all to find out if you get to the end of your life and find out God has done all he could do and now it's up to you. That is only a lost person's prayer. God, I want you to do everything. It's necessary in order for us to be redeemed. All right, in verse 2 of this chapter says, And ye shall offer an offering of sweet savor unto the Lord, one young bullock, one ram, seven lambs of the first year. Verse 8 we have here, it shares with us on the Day of Atonement, it says, But you shall offer a burnt offering unto the Lord for a sweet savor, one young bullock, one ram, seven lambs of the first year without blemish. And it tells us there in verse 11, And one of the kid goats for a sin offering. Verse 13, You shall offer a burnt offering, a sacrifice made by fire, sweet savor unto the Lord. Thirteen young bullocks, two rams, and fourteen lambs of the first year. We have the Feast of Booths, and every day we have this offering to be given during this period of time. You go down through here, we find that the numbers of sacrifices that God imposed upon Israel, and not one of those sacrifices took away sin. Do you know when we find out all these sacrifices took place, when a man is found picking up sticks on the Sabbath day, He's stoned to death. Why? Look at the sacrifices that have been made. All of these numbers of animal sacrifices and a man picking up sticks on the Sabbath day is stoned to death. All these sacrifices took place and a young man who is belligerent against his parents and cannot be controlled was turned over to the, to the people, uh, the judges, and they stoned that boy to death even though all those sacrifices took place. Not one of the, the uh, law, Ten Commandments, was ever gone unjudged, even with all those sacrifices. You know, it doesn't take us long to thank God Almighty for finding in his great wealth of wisdom a sacrifice that would make a difference. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, we find that we're reminded, this new generation that came along, most of these people that this, these two chapters are given to were people that did not come out of Egypt. These are people that were either young children, but they did not come out of Egypt in that old generation. And God is reviewing what he's already given unto them in the book of Leviticus and the first part of the book of Numbers. He's reviewing for them and going over it again. And we find that he's reminding them, and we find through chapters 28 and, and chapter 29, the absolute enormous value of Jesus Christ. Turn with me here to the book of, of Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, we find these glorious words are given to us by the Holy Spirit to the writer, the secretary. It says, by the, verse 10 of chapter 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for... You know, I read that to my mother one time. She said, see, right there, it says once for everybody. Once for all. I says, no, this is time. 
It's not people, it's time. Once for all time. One sacrifice for sin. One time. Jesus Christ went to the cross at the appointed time, and he did what he did there with great enormity and took away and put away sin. Every, verse 11, every priest standeth daily ministering, offering, and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which could never take away sins. It doesn't take in long in reading chapters 28 and 29 of the book of Numbers to find out just how many sacrifices there were. You know, I tried to figure up over 40 years how many sacrifices were given, and I got close to 40,000 animals were sacrificed. Now, on the day that the temple was dedicated, <laughs> there were thousands offered on that very day. And you know what? Not one took away sin. Here we read about someone, the priest standeth daily, weekly, monthly, and on all of these feast times, offering this multitudinous number of sacrifices. But in verse 12 of this chapter, it says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, how did we know that it was accepted? How do we know that it was effectual? How do you know that it was efficacious? How do you know? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He came out of that tomb victorious. It says here, This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. It was accepted. God was pleased. You know, when we get down to it, we really find out that the salvation of the elect of Christ did more for the Father than it did for us. The Father was pleased. Sin could be taken care of. Forgiveness could be given. This is the Father's business. You know why? Because He was the offended party. We're the offending party, and He was the offended party. He needs much more taken care of than we do. But when He is taken care of, when He has all this given to him by his son, the Lord Jesus on the cross. He has his faithfulness given. He has his blood shed. When he is there doing what God had appointed them to do in the covenant of grace, God is satisfied. You know, our sins are taken care of. Yes, we have promise of eternal life. Yes, but God the Father is pleased and he's so pleased that he welcomed his son back into glory. What Christ did for God resulted in God doing something for us. You know, most religion has it all turned around. What we do for God, then God will bless us. No, what Christ did for God, then God can bless us. That's the only way that we can be blessed. What he did, when Christ offered himself to God, our sin was judged, forgiven, and put away. In all of this, Christ pleased God. And as a result, God can be pleased with us. Not in ourself, but in Christ Jesus alone. Isaac Watts wrote many years ago a hymn. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altar slain could give the guilty conscience peace, nor wash away one stain. All of those hundreds thousands of animals that were sacrificed over those 40 years and then when they went into the land of promise it continued on you know 
Like so often happens, though, we find out that even though they offered the sacrifices, they had no interest in their heart about what they were doing. It became mechanical. It became just something to do. I would like you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Amos. To the book of Amos, chapter 5. In retrospect, when we are privileged to look back, when we have another prophet given this authorship by the Holy Spirit to give us a commentary about all those sacrifices that took place. Here in the book of Amos, small book of the Old Testament, but this too is the gospel. Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5, verse 25. It tells us these words. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and burnt offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch, and shew in your images the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the Lord is the God of hosts. In reality, the bulk of these people were offering these sacrifices in their heart, not to God, but to their own idols. You have offered these, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and we do the strangest thing with our heart. Everything we have to deal with is a heart condition. We have sin in our heart, and God alone can deal with the sin of our heart. And you know how he does that? He gives us a new heart. He never tries to reform the old heart. He never tries to remold the old heart. He gives us a new heart. And that heart is caused to love God. Now, you know and I know some days we're just thankful that that's the part that God gives us because we say, Lord, is that right? You ever complained about the weather? Who gives the weather? Who is in charge of the weather? Who gives us the snow and the sunshine? Who gives us 120 degree weather? Who gives us zero weather, zero degree weather? It's not us. And I'll tell you right up front, it's not because of some cataclysmic event here on the earth. It's God that gives us the weather. Cold, hot, and then some days I wake up and say, oh no. I didn't want it to rain today. I wanted to go fishing. Well, Lord, thank you that you are the ruler of my heart, and what you did has been imputed to me, and I can carry it to the grave. In the book of Acts, would you read with me in the book of Acts, again, a commentary on those Old Testament sacrifices that were given. The book of Acts, chapter 7. The book of Acts chapter 7, and I want to begin reading with verse 40 of this. The whole chapter is a wonderful commentary on the Old Testament given by the Holy Spirit through our friend Stephen. Now, he paid dearly for saying what he did. He was martyred. He was stoned to death for what he said because the people that he was talking to believed that they had done absolutely everything that God had ever told them to do in the Old Testament. And he brings up, no, you didn't, because of your heart. Here in the book of Acts chapter 7, verse 40, it says, saying unto Aaron, make us gods to go before us as for this Moses, which brought us up 
of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifices unto the idol and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to the worship of the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of the God of Rephahim, figures which ye made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon." Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, and he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. And there in verse, uh, uh, verse 45, that, which also our fathers which came before brought in with Jesus, or Joshua into the possession of the Gentiles whom God drave out before the face of our fathers until the days of David. All right. We see again that the God of heaven brought this commentary against them that they had used all of these sacrifices and they observed them all, but in their hearts, these sacrifices were not to God. You know what? By nature, we cannot offer, offer a sacrifice to God. We can't offer a good sacrifice. We can't even offer a bad sacrifice because we don't even know him. We have no knowledge of the God of heaven until we are born again. We don't have a commentary on it. You know, we read through the scriptures and we say, well, you know, I, have you ever said this? If I'd have lived in those Old Testament times, I'd have certainly been better than those folks. I'd have made better decisions than that. I wouldn't have done that. You know what? We just lied through our teeth. We'd have done exactly what they did. We have the same nature they had. Even though God set them aside as a nation to give them all those rich blessings, not one heart was turned as a result of those blessings. It always takes God and His Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel to change us. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, let's go back there, if you would, to the Old Testament again, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32. And here we find again God's commentary on all those offerings and sacrifices. They did them, and most of them were done out of some compliance or obedience. But we find out that their heart was not in these sacrifices. We may have believed that Jesus went to the cross, and he, we may have believed that he even died for some people on the, on the cross, but we will never comprehend anything about what Jesus Christ did for his church until he reveals himself in the gospel. And then we can walk away and say, now I can see. Through a glass darkly, but I see now what I never saw before. Here in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32, there in verse 12, the scriptures hold this and says, So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. And he made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. What pictorial language. What blessings God gave to Israel. They were able to get things out of where there was no, nothing. There was nothing. Butter of kind, milk of the sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape but Jeshurun another name for 
Israel, waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. When things went well, look what I've done. When things went bad, oh, the book of Judges. God, oh God, we are so sorry for what we're doing. Would you send us some help? He sent them some help and give them the same heart that they had, by and large. And after this was over and peace was made, after 40 years, they'd go right back into the same line of thought that they had and get back to their old gods. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sanctified unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. What a statement is made here as all of those sacrifices, thousands of sacrifices, daily sacrifices, Sabbath sacrifices, monthly sacrifices, Passover sacrifices, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Trumpets, Feast, 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 all the sacrifices that took place, not one of them was effectual. There is only one effectual sacrifice ever given, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. For had they believed Moses... They would have believed me, for he wrote of me. That's what Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 5. But ye believe not, because you're not my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Out of the host, we find two that were permitted to go into the land that God had promised to Abraham, and that was Joshua and Caleb. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody that died there died in unbelief, but they all died. Most of them did die in unbelief. To be put in the place, to cross paths with the gospel of God's marvelous grace, His sovereign grace, is no small thing. To be brought to a place, to be able to hear something besides sacrifices and offerings, to be able to hear something besides it's up to you. To be able to hear something besides it's your sacrifice. It, to be able to hear something besides God has done all he can do, it's, now it's up to you. To be able to go beyond that, that God would be pleased to bring the message of God's grace in Christ Jesus to a people is beyond measure. We cannot count the very blessings that we have in that. To hear of the Savior that actually saves and a redeemer that actually redeems, and a payment that was actually paid, and a ransom actually made, and a love actually given, and forgiveness actually done. Christ alone is all of these things. Not one bit was found in any of those sacrifices. All the slain beasts that took place did not procure even the happiness of anybody and the cost you know as we heard mentioned there in the class this morning eventually the Jews got tired of spending all that money on good beasts clean beasts so they started offering and you know I look at that and I said this they're absolutely representing their God 
Now there throughout the sacrifices of the Old Testament, God required that they be without blemish and without spot. It was typical of our Savior, pictorial of Him, that He was without blemish and without spot. But as time went on, we find out people, they could care less. And they're going to present what they believe about their God. And their God has blemishes. Their God has sores. Their God is unable. Their God is not able to do anything. And they offered that to God. You know, and we read there in the book of Malachi that Malachi said, Would you give this to the governor? No way. I wouldn't give it to the governor. Governor wouldn't happen. Wouldn't make him happy, but I'll give it to God. Because you know what? He's never interfered in my life. Praise God when God interferes in our life from going down to the pit, that he would stop us in our life, that he would interfere, that he would arrest us, that he would bring us the gospel, and we may not appreciate it or like it when we hear it, but oh, when he reveals Christ to us, there is glory, glory, glory. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16, would you turn there with me? The book of Ezekiel, chapter 16. And there in verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother a Hittite. No wonder when Stephen brought these things up to the Pharisees, they had a problem with it because they were of the stock of Abraham. And as for thy nativity in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee, Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. Then I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out into an open field, to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. God is speaking about the very people that he chose as a nation. <laughs> Many of them he did not choose to salvation, but he chose them as a nation to demonstrate what it what would happen if he gave them all of the richest blessings in this world? Not one heart was changed as a result of that. In fact, they went off and worshipped idols. But when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thy blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Now that's God speaking to his elect and saying, when I came... When I saw, I said, live. And you know, that's the only call that we'll ever get to cause us to live. We'll go through life without life. We'll be dead in trespasses and sins before God in our last moment, before we're cast into the pit, dead and not alive. Turn with me to, if you would, in the same book, to the book of Ezekiel chapter 36. In Ezekiel chapter 36, and beginning with verse 23 of this chapter, Ezekiel chapter 36, 23. Now, this is a chapter that shares with us, <clears throat> I will and you shall, the number of times, and I will sanctify my great name, which 
was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before them. For I will take you from the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean for all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will also save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call for the corn and will increase it, and lay no famine upon you, and I'll multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field, all the spiritual blessings that God has for his people. He says, I will give it, I will give it, I will give it. And verse 32, not for your sakes do I do this, saith the Lord God, be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and wastes shall be builded, and the desolate land shall be tilled, and they shall... Um, And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like a garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. No, through the entire passage there, we find nothing that is required of us. In fact, we get our own way when we do that. Now, in the short time I have left, I'd like to go to read four places in the New Testament. And the first one is found in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, would you turn there with me as we think about that blood, gallons, <laughs> tubfuls, shed through the years in the sacrifices that God required of Israel. Animal blood, non-atoning blood, blood that could not achieve anything. It was taken in once a year and taken and sprinkled on the mercy seat. And we only see that as it's the blood of Christ that prevents us from having all judgment against us. Those three things that were contained in that mercy seat the two tables of stone, the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, those three things, every one of them represent us going against God. Cried out, we want food of Egypt. He gave him manna. We want to rule with Aaron. Gave, showed it by that sign of Aaron's rod that budded. And while he was up on that mount, the first time the children of Israel are dancing around a golden calf. And he broke that first set, and Moses did, and came down, and God gave him another. It just shares with us our ruin, our heart, desperately wicked, put in that mercy seat, and the blood of Christ, pictured, put over there, put sin away. Well, let's read here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 
the scripture says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are brought close, are brought nigh. By what? Our good works? Our righteousness? Our ability to quote scripture? Our ability to go after some article of faith? Member of some church? No! Made nigh by the blood of Christ. You know, that's one thing that every believer will agree on. We're made nigh by the blood of Christ. We were brought to God by the blood of Christ. Nothing that we have done. All right, in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's read there. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, we read these words. All the blood offered on the altars, Jewish altars, avail nothing. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all our sins away, a sacrifice of noble name and richer blood than they. Here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 14, we read these words. How much more shall the blood of Christ? Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh... How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Did you notice the Godhead in that verse of scripture? The blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God the Father. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. One thing the blood of Christ does, it takes away every interest we have on our part to do something to appropriate salvation. We'll trust him. All right. And then in the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. It's not by the blood of bulls and goats. It's not by the sacrifice of ourself. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, the Godhead. The eternal, everlasting covenant of grace made between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's one thing about that covenant that God made with Israel. It was broken by Israel before it was given. They could not keep it. It was an impossibility. It is no more possible for them to keep it than it is for us to keep our New Year's resolutions. It's impossible. But here, elect, God had a people before the foundation of the world. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. There is no peace without the grace of God. We will not have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ except for his grace. And grace means we have no involvement in it. I've had people tell me there's the works of grace. That's destroyed the very definition of the word of grace as God meant it in the scriptures. There are no works of grace on our part. Thank God on his part, he did all the work out of grace. And then if you would to the same chapter of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. 
For as much as you know. You know, that's a thing that church knows all together. We learn more about it every time we meet and study God's word and hear the gospel. But for as much as you know that you were re not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. What's that saying? You're not redeemed by your works. You're not redeemed by giving. You're not get redeemed by praying. You're not redeemed by all the stuff that the religion has that you were taught from youth up. You're not redeemed with that stuff. You're redeemed here, it says, not with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or your manner of life received by tradition from your fathers. My grandfather passed it on to my mother. My mother passed it on to me. And you know what? In its totality, it was worthless because there was no gospel in it. It just keeps being passed on and passed on. This rigmarole that religion has ordained but God has more ordained. It's an eternal. And he said here, but we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You remember the words of John when he pointed to this one man? Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Go to him. Go to him. Flee to him. And you know, they left John, turned back and says, thank you for all you've done, but we're headed there. The blood of Jesus Christ, there is absolutely no comfort. And I believe only a lost person would take solace in God has done all he can do. You know what? God has done everything. Absolutely everything for our redemption. There is nothing left. And we just pray that the gospel of God's grace in Christ Jesus would strike our hearts and cause us to rejoice in the goodness of God found in Christ Jesus as the true sacrifice that put away sin for time and for eternity. And we could rejoice in that as the whole church will rejoice at the feet of Jesus in glory to come Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and praise. The Lamb that was slain. All the beasts. The third verse of that. My faith would lay her hand on that dear head of thine while I like a penance I stand and there confess my sin. My soul looks back to see the burden thou didst bear when hanging on the cursed tree and hopes her guilt was there. Brother Mike, if you'll come.